Chris, my brother, texted and said, he just did Hey Jude for the finale, and now we have the encore to look forward to. So you know how encores work. Just imagine it for a second. It appears like it's the end of the concert. Paul walks off stage, the lights go out, and it appears like Paul is silent. But here's the truth. Paul was not disengaged. Paul was not indifferent to the noise, to the applause, and to the cheers in the stadium. He was listening and preparing to sing again. One, two, three. Welcome to the Ditching Perfection podcast, a podcast that will help you pursue wholeness in Jesus rather than trying to have it all together. I'm your host, Carly Bartlett, and along the way, we're going to have some raw conversations and share some practical tips that will remind you to throw some confetti and celebrate yourself. Your inner critic does not have to be the dominant voice in your life anymore. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Ditching Perfection podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today as we're going to be talking about prayer. Prayer is such a gift, but it's also really complicated. And sometimes it's confusing, right? Like why do some prayers get answered and why are others left unanswered? Does God really listen? And, you know, the question may be swirling around in your head, does God really respond to us. So today we're going to be thinking about all of those questions and looking at scripture, and I hope that it will be helpful for us as we hold some some lament, but also as we hold hope and we bring all of our thoughts and requests, joys and heartaches to God. So before we dive into all of that conversation on prayer, though, you guys, I have to share a facepalm moment with you because that's what we do every week. And without fail, I continue to have facepalm examples. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, I don't know. I guess it makes my life interesting. But unfortunately, I I don't have a shortage of facepalm moments. They are always happening. (laughs) So yesterday... We were having lunch with some friends from church, some new friends that we haven't gotten to know very well yet, but are really excited to be forming some new friendships with these with these people. So one of the guys at the table at lunch yesterday is an EMT and he works, you know, as a paramedic and rides ambulance and really serves our community in that way to go and help people who need help physically in 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 emergency situations. So he was telling us about his job, and I'm just fascinated and so thankful because of the ways that he serves our community. But he was saying that he works two 24-hour shifts a week, and I was asking him all about sleep because I love sleep. I, like, need sleep. And so I'm going, two 24-hour shifts? How much do you actually rest? How much do you actually sleep? And so he was kind of telling me about how he's on call and how he, you know, usually gets a a good chunk of sleep here and there throughout his shift. And I said, do you, when you're working those 24-hour shifts, do you all like stay together in kind of like a firehouse type situation? Or do you stay at home and then get your calls from home and then go? And immediately after I asked the question, I felt like such a goof because I'm like, 
No, that does not make any sense. If he were at home, he'd have to drive to meet the ambulance team or get into the ambulance and then go. That would not be an effective or fast way for an EMT to respond to emergencies. So here I am, like, you know, trying to get to know these new people. And I'm just like, oh, my word, that was a really dumb question. Please erase. I said to him, erase what I just asked. That was so silly. Oh, my word. Anyways, yeah, facepalm moment. It happens. And thankfully, I think he and his wife still want to be friends with us. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay, so there's my facepalm moment. And then also on the podcast, we love to celebrate ourselves because so often we only want to see the negative. It's easy for us who struggle with perfectionism to only see the negative things about ourselves or nitpick uh, the little tiny things that maybe we didn't do right or would have wanted to dif do differently. And so usually I share a celebration moment or uh, the guest on the podcast will celebrate themselves as well. And so today I just want to celebrate myself that I have not bought clothes in uh, like almost two months, I think. Okay, here's the backstory. I told myself I would not buy clothes for six months. And, oh, you guys, if you know me, you know I love shopping. And I love fashion. And I love clothes. And I especially love finding deals. So I don't feel like I spend a bunch of money on clothes. I love finding deals. But I do probably spend too much money. Let's be real. And so I just thought, you know what? I need to break myself of the habit of consuming. And thinking I need something else or the latest trendy thing or the thing that's on sale at Target. Instead, I just said, nope, for six months, I'm not going to buy anything. And uh, I'm just going to be thankful for what I have. So when I told my family, my daughter Lulu was like, yeah, right, mom, you're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, she just knows how much I love to buy clothes. But I've done it. And I'm so proud of myself. I mean, yes, we've got a ways to go, you guys, but I'm doing it. And I'm really trying to be thankful for what I have. So in, in the store, if I see something that's really cute or I get an email from Anthropology that talks about some sale on the sale or whatever that I usually would click on, instead of spending my time thinking about those things or perusing the, the aisles at the store, I just... Stop and I give thanks for what I have because, I mean, I have plenty of, plenty of clothes. I don't need any more clothes. And so I just need to be thankful and stop and be grateful for what I have. So I'm doing it and I just got to celebrate it. I'm proud of myself, but you guys have to hold me accountable because I've got a ways to go. And I will say, here's just a little disclaimer caveat. I had a gift card when we went to Disneyland from some friends for my birthday and I did use that to buy a sweatshirt, but I wasn't spending, uh, yeah, I was spending a gift card. So I feel like that doesn't count, <laughs> but I'm not going to spend, I guess maybe the better way to say it is, is I'm not going to spend my own money on clothes for six months. Okay. So there you go. There's my celebration moment. But today, as we dive into the conversation on prayer, I just have to start by saying I've had Beatles songs reverberating in my head for the last couple of weeks. Maybe some of you are Beatles fans, but here are some that I've been thinking about. 
blackbird singing in the dead of night. Or, I want to hold your hand. I want to hold your hand. Or this one's super cute. Penny Lane is in my ears and in my eyes. And you might be thinking, Carly, why are you singing Beatles songs all the time? Well, here's just a glimpse into my life, my my growing up years. My brother Chris is literally the biggest Beatles fan that I know. Ever since he was in late elementary school, he was like this mega fan of the Beatles. He knows all the trivia. He knows all the music. My brother is like a musical genius. He's a he's a music teacher as well. And most of his inspiration has come from the Beatles and specifically Paul McCartney. So with all of this said, a couple of weeks ago, my dad flew up to Seattle where my brother lives and the two of them had the opportunity to go and see Paul McCartney in concert. And I, I just have to tell you, I could sense their excitement through the text messages and through the videos that they were sending all throughout the evening. They were so excited. And this was like an incredible concert. I mean, Paul McCartney is like, I think he's in his 70s. My brother would be like, Carly, you should know this fact. But he's he's old and he is still rocking. Like he he played for hours and it was like the best experience for my brother and my dad. Chris, my brother said, okay, it was so amazing to be at the concert with my dad and the guy who I feel like is my musical dad, which I love. He like, you know, thinks of Paul McCartney as his musical dad because he's been so formative. So seeing Paul McCartney for my dad and my brother was like a dream come true. So all the Beatles songs have been playing in all of our minds for the last couple of weeks. But one of my favorite Beatles songs is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I just think it's like the cutest little song and the story behind it is so fun. So John Lennon said that he wrote the song after his son came home from school and his son had drawn a classmate named Lucy and called her Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. So cute. It's got this like whimsical feel, very imaginative. And here are some of the lyrics. Picture yourself in a boat on a river with tangerine trees and marmalade skies. Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with kaleidoscope eyes. Cellophane flowers of yellow and green towering over your head. Look for the girl with the sun in her eyes. And she's gone. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. This whole scene reminds me of Willy Wonka. Maybe you can picture it too. And I just think, oh my word, wouldn't it be a dream to swim in sea salt chocolate rivers and run around under orange marmalade skies? But as the song describes a girl with kaleidoscope eyes, she disappears. This dream fades and it's back to reality. And the sing-song melodies fade into deafening silence. And maybe you've experienced this kind of silence. Maybe you have been dreaming of a week where the phone rings and it's actually good news from your doctor, but then there's silence. Or maybe you've been praying that conversations between you and a loved one 
would no longer be strained, but that you would actually feel a sense of peace and there would be laughter. But instead, there's silence. Or maybe you have been crying out to God for oppression to cease and for peace to reign. And I know that I have been praying these prayers especially in light of all of the heartache and the violence that we have seen in our world and in our own country just in the last couple of weeks. That I've been crying out for God, for God's help, for God to bring, like I said, for peace to come. But then sometimes it feels like we're met with silence. And... It's really confusing and it's really complicated and it's hard to understand sometimes, isn't it? And I feel like there's been other times and seasons of our lives where we have prayed about a health diagnosis or a friend um, being being better from a sickness. Um, You know, so many different things, especially I just feel like with the gift of life, like wanting for that to be preserved. And I think about about a year ago, I lost a friend of mine to cancer. And she was not much older than me. She was a young mom of two precious girls. And she had a hard battle of cancer. And we just prayed and prayed and prayed for her healing and her restoration on earth. And it ended up that her healing and restoration happened after she had passed away. And it was hard. And I I don't I don't always understand like why some people are healed and why some people aren't. I I don't always understand why it feels like there's certain times where God's intervention is so clear and other times I'm trying to figure out where God is in this scenario. I don't know. And I'm just being really vulnerable and open with you that here I am, you know, as a pastor, just telling you that prayer is kind of confusing. But here's what I do fully believe. That God hears us. Even though I don't understand all of the complexity of prayer, and I don't mean to make this a sing-song answer to a very complicated, confusing issue and, and, and the issues and hardships that you may bring. I don't mean to make this too syrupy sweet or easy. And I don't understand why certain prayers are resolved in the way that we hope and why others leave us in heartache. I, I don't know. But I do fully believe to the core of my being that God hears us and that our prayers matter. I believe it. And I believe that God is not far from suffering, but God is with us in suffering. I mean, we serve a God who suffered for us to the point of death on the cross. God didn't just stay up in heaven far away from the hardship and the chaos and the heartache, but instead God became flesh in Jesus, came to earth, showed us what love looks like, 
showed us what it looked like to be present in pain and hardship. And then Jesus didn't run from the pain, didn't run from the hardship. He was crucified. And even on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He understood the feelings of loneliness and abandonment and betrayal. And yet as he uttered those words, those words were actually from Psalm 22. The first words from Psalm 22 that he, he echoed out and he said, Why have you forsaken me, God? This would have been reminiscent to all of the people listening. They would have known Psalm 22 probably by heart and would have realized, Oh, that's not the end of the story. Psalm 22 actually ends up speaking about this God who is with us in suffering, who hears us, who has not turned away. And then the suffering and the betrayal and the hurt in Psalm 22 does not get the last word. There's hope that bursts forth and it ends up with this amazing chorus of praise. And so God sits with us in suffering. But as my pastor, Scott Daniel, said, suffering does not get the last word. Death doesn't get the last word. Darkness doesn't get the last word, but light does. And so today, as we talk about prayer, I believe that God hears us. And when it seems like God is silent, God is not still. You mean to need to hear that one more time today. When it seems like God is silent, God is not still. God is sitting with us in the pain, tenderly listening, and acting in ways that invite all of humanity to restoration. And so today, I want to share with you a little bit from Revelation chapter 8. And it may seem kind of like a random selection, but I love the book of Revelation. I took a class on the book of Revelation recently, and I have fallen in love with this book because it is such a book of hope. And it is a piece of writing that reminds us that we're invited to be a part of the restoration story that God is writing in us and through us. And so Revelation chapter 8, we're going to open there, spend most of our time there. But actually, I just want to start in Revelation chapter 7 first, because when we think about it, in the original writing, there were no chapter breaks. John the Revelator wrote this whole account and and these these letters to these churches. And there was no like chapter 6, chapter 7, chapter 8. It was all one letter. And so as we dive into chapter 8 today, I just feel like it's important for us to go back just a little bit and look at chapter 7. So in chapter 7, verses 14 through 17, uh, we read that John is in the heavenly throne room. And he says that an elder says these words to him. These people have come out of great hardship. They have washed their robes and made them white in the Lamb's blood. This is the reason they are before God's throne. They worship him day and night in his temple. And the one seated on the throne will shelter them. They won't hunger or thirst anymore. No sun or scorching heat will beat down on them because the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them. He will lead them to the springs of life-giving water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. 
So he's talking about these people who have come through this great hardship. They have, they've hungered. They've cried tears of anguish. But the good news is that these things will be reversed in the new creation. And so then after this message of hope, we read in Revelation 8, verse 1, Then when the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. So all of these other seals, these six seals have been opened, and the seventh is supposed to bring about God's glorious conclusion. And then we're met with silence? What in the world is going on? And the text says for about a half an hour. And John the Revelator uses this term to mean a temporary time. And so it's not literally a half an hour. Like in our house, we think about a half an hour as one episode of Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. <laughs> but this, this half an hour, this is like a temporary time, but it hits you in the chest. Like it's, it makes an impact. And this is not the, the conclusion that we were waiting for, the silence. I mean, what about no more hunger or tears, no more hardship? God was silent? What? Like, this feels like whiplash, and maybe you felt this kind of whiplash too. But as we continue reading in Revelation 8, verses 2 through 5, we understand what's happening in the throne room. So it says this, Then I saw the seven angels who stood before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel came and stood at the altar, and he held a gold bowl for burning incense. He was given a large amount of incense in order to burn it and offer it on behalf of the prayers of all of the saints on the gold altar in front of the throne. The smoke of the incense offered for the prayers of the saints rose up before God and the angel's hand. Then the angel took the incense container and filled it with the fire from the altar. And he threw it down to earth. And there were thunder, voices, lightning, and an earthquake. And so when we read this, I mean, I am overcome with the truth that during this time of silence in the heavenly throne room, activity didn't cease. God was not sitting back twiddling God's thumbs. If God has thumbs, I don't know. <laughs> but the activity didn't cease. Remember our idea that even when it seems like God is silent, God is not still. And we see this in this passage. So let's check out and, and really unpack what's happening here. So first of all, there were trumpets that were being handed out. Now they weren't being blown yet, but they were being dispersed. And trumpets are used throughout scripture to signify the beginning of a battle. So remember, you know, in Jericho, for instance, how the people were marching around the city of Jericho. And then when the trumpets were blown, that was what brought about the demise of the evil and the corrupt culture there. So trumpets are being dispersed and this matters. The victory is coming. And then secondly, the prayers of the people were being heard. I believe we can take this from this passage. Because as we read, the prayers of the saints rose before God. And some commentators actually point to the martyrs in Revelation chapter 6, who cried out for God's justice and God's judgment when the fifth seal was opened. 
And so these martyrs, they were crying out in prayer. And these prayers represent, you know, needing and asking for God's help and strength and support and deliverance. These prayers that these martyrs were, were calling out were crying out for restoration and for God's new creation. The prayers of the saints were rising before God and God heard them and received them. But God doesn't just hear the prayers of the people. God does something about them. So in the passage, once again, we read that the angel took the incense container, filled it with fire, and then threw the prayers back down to the earth. So the very prayers of the people combined with God's restorative relational power were thrown down to the earth. This is so cool because I believe it shows us that our prayers are heard by God and they do have an impact on the earth. Our prayers are heard by God and they do have an impact on the earth. Our prayers matter. And we read that when the prayers are thrown down to the earth, that, that there's thunder and there's lightning and there's voices and there's earthquake. And when I read this, it reminds me of Exodus chapter 19, when God revealed God's self to the people of Israel on Mount Sinai. And so I'm going to flip there to Exodus chapter 19 and read this to you in verses 16 through 19. And just realize how similar this is. So when morning dawned on the third day, there was thunder, lightning, and a thick cloud on the mountain, and a very loud blast of a horn. Okay, you hear that? A horn, there's our trumpet. All the people in the camp shook with fear. Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their place at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord had come down on it with lightning. The smoke went up like the smoke of a hot furnace, while the whole mountain shook violently. There's our earthquake. The blasts of the horn grew louder and louder. Moses would speak and God would answer him in thunder. So there's trumpets. There's thunder, there's lightning, and the earthquaking. So in Exodus, this happened right before God shared with Moses the law. And the first words we hear from God before the Ten Commandments were given are this. This is Exodus 20, verse 2. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So God is reminding the people that God freed them from slavery. Slavery to oppressive rulers, slavery from unjust systems and structures, slavery from the corrupt, selfish culture. And then God gave them the law, which was God's instructions so that the people could live in right relationship with God, with others, and themselves. They had been in this Egyptian enslavement and understood that way of life and all of the rules and legality. 
but the the relationships were were not healthy and whole. And so God says, remember, I brought you out of that. And now I am going to give you a new way to live, a new set of instructions so that you can live in right relationship with God, with myself, others, and you, yourselves. And so when I read Revelation 8, I cannot help but think that God was showing up in a similar way to the world constantly inviting the inhabitants of the earth that's us to live in right healthy relationships with God others and ourselves see we may not always get the exact response that we are hoping for when we pray But God is at work and God is constantly inviting us, both as individuals and corporately, like as a community, to live into God's restoration story. God is a restorer and a redeemer. And he is constantly writing restoration stories that he's inviting for us to be a part of. And I feel like this should give us so much hope. That God does hear us and that God is at work. But Revelation 8 should also remind us that God is inviting us to reflect and to respond. God is moving, but God also wants to move us. And so these questions have been swirling around in my mind in the last several weeks, especially in the cultural moment that we are in. And I feel like as the prayers that I have have prayed gone up, God just brings them back down to me and says, okay, I'm moving, but I want to move you. Are you willing to respond and reflect and be open? And so here are some of those questions I've been thinking about. In what ways am I possibly contributing to the oppression of others? And are my consuming habits or lifestyle patterns oppressing others so that I can experience comfort? Secondly, are there ways that I've been silent and inactive in lifting up and showing value to those on the margins? And are there ways that I can use my voice to advocate for others? I don't want to contribute to the silence when God is inviting me to use my voice. And then third... How am I still entangled or enslaved to the systems of the world and not tuning into the voice of God who is, who is saying to the pharaohs throughout history, let my people go. See, God is constantly inviting us to right relationship with God, others, and ourselves. And God is inviting us to be a part of God's restoration story. When my dad and my brother were at the Paul McCartney concert, they, like I said, sent us several videos of all that was happening in the arena. And then Chris, my brother, texted and said, he just did Hey Jude for the finale, and now we have the encore to look forward to. So you know how encores work. Just imagine it for a second. It appears like it's the end of the concert. 
Paul walks off stage. The lights go out. And it appears like Paul is silent, like only eating red M&Ms in the green room, as I've heard people do. But here's the truth. Paul was not disengaged. Paul was not indifferent to the noise, to the applause, and to the cheers in the stadium. He was listening and preparing to sing again. He never disconnected or disengaged, like I said. And the audience knew it. My brother knew it. And in the same way, so often it feels like all is dark. The light has gone. The music has faded. But because we are a people of hope, a people of the new creation, we know that there is more to come. That God is not in heaven twiddling his thumbs or playing games. But God is at work, still engaged with the world, still listening to the joys and the heartaches of people. And Jesus will come again, singing a song of peace, of victory, of justice, and freedom. Little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter. Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here. Little darling, I feel that ice is slowly melting. Little darling, it seems like years since it's been clear. But here comes the sun, do-do-do-do. Here comes the sun, and I say, it's all right. There may not be tangerine trees and marmalade skies, but... There will be a day when there's no more hunger, thirst, weeping, or crying. The new creation is coming. And my friends, we can trust that even in the moments of silence, God is not still. So as we process all of this today, here are our key takeaways. Our prayers are heard by God. And they do have an impact on the earth. Secondly, our prayers should move us to reflect and to respond. God is moving, but how is God inviting us to move? And then, as we said several times, God is constantly inviting us to right relationship with God, others, and ourselves. And then our main idea, as we looked at Revelation 8, is that even in the moments of silence, God is not still. And then my friends, I would invite you to consider these prayer prompts today. What is breaking your heart right now? Maybe write it down or share it with a friend or just say it out loud to God. Sometimes I feel like as people that may struggle with perfectionism or people-pleasing, we don't want to voice what's, what's weighing heavy on us. 
that we feel like we always have to have a smile on our face or we have to have a solution right now in front of us. But sometimes we just need to sit and lament and talk to God about what is breaking our hearts. Just sit in that. Not so long that we are like, you know, wiped out by discouragement and disappointment, but just to be okay with not being okay for a while. And then giving all of that to God, being open-handed and saying, okay, God, this is what's breaking my heart. What's happening in my community? What's happening that I'm hearing about on the news? And I'm telling you what, my heart was feeling very broken and heavy over the violence in Buffalo, the violence in Texas. And you may be feeling those same things. There may be things in your own family that are weighing heavy on you. So just, I just invite you, as I feel like God is inviting us, to just acknowledge the hard, the hard stuff, the pain, the heartache. And then have open hands and say, God, how are you moving? And when the time is right, move me, God. And I'll tell you what, I don't want to sit in inactivity, but I also don't want to move in my own strength with my own ideas and my own strategies. So it's a balance of being open-handed, sitting and receiving, asking God, how are you moving and how are you inviting me to join you in your movement? I think that's so important. So that's prayer prompt number one. I know that was kind of long, but basically, once again, to recap that, what is breaking your heart right now? And then ask God to help you see how he's moving and how he's inviting you to move along with him. And then secondly, we talked about how God is constantly inviting us to right relationships with God, others, and ourselves. And I would invite you to really think about, are there any relationships in your life that are not where they should be? Once again, it's really easy for us to shove those things aside or to suppress those or not, not, not do anything about those things. And sometimes, you know what, sometimes that, I mean, the, yeah, I just think that relationships are complicated. And so sometimes not doing anything maybe is the right thing to do. But... Sometimes God is inviting us to build a bridge and to connect. And with all of this, I just invite you to really be processing what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12, 18, where he says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I, I used to read that and go, oh my word, live at peace with everybody. That's so hard. How am I supposed to do that? But the more I kept reading that, all of Romans 12, which is incredible, but then that particular verse, I just kept realizing, as far as it depends on you. As far as it depends on you. We can't control other people. And we have to, we, God's inviting us to right relationship, healthy relationship with God, ourselves, and others. And, and so trying to coerce or control like that's that's not healthier right and so I think the question to ask ourselves is as far as it depends on me God is there anything that is in my 
sphere of influence or anywhere that the ball is in my court that I haven't responded in ways that you're inviting me to respond? And is there anything that depends on me that you would ask me to do to bring healing to that particular relationship? And so I don't know what that is for you, and I certainly don't want to, uh, you know, push you to do anything that is unhealthy. You know the dynamics of your relationships and your lives, and you know what God is speaking to you about those things. And so if the right thing to do and the healthy thing to do is to not do anything, then that's, that's good. But I also think that as you're sifting through, maybe the right thing to do is to move forward in some sort of connection. So be processing those things as well. Sometimes relationships oftentimes can be very painful. And it's easy for us to want to suppress the pain. But God is inviting us to right relationship with God, others, and ourselves. And so be considering that this week. Well, I hope that the conversation today and the opening of Scripture has been helpful for you and encouraging. And even though prayer is so complex, and it's complicated, and I don't always understand why some prayers seem to be answered in the way that we hope and why others don't, I do fully believe that we serve a God who loves us and who hears us. And so I hope today that you feel a deep sense of God's love over you and knowing that you are heard by God. So thanks for joining us today. And I just want to let you know that next week, my friend Sheena is going to be here with us and she is going to be talking to us about how to make tough decisions. I think for us perfection ditchers, we're trying to ditch perfection, but sometimes making decisions, especially when there are ideas and opinions and expectations wrapped up in that decision can be really tough. But Sheena is going to share with us from her own experience about how to make tough decisions and follow God into the unknown. Have a great week and I'll see you here same time, same place next week.